I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Andy J Podcast. Hey there, welcome to another episode of the Andy J Podcast. How are you doing? Hope you're having a really, really great week. Now, if you're listening to this in real time, I'm really hoping you caught yesterday's show with Stephanie Beatrice and just heard all about Encanto and Brooklyn Nine-Nine and her amazing views on the world and the way she steps into life. I think she was brilliant. Today, we have a solid gold conversation with someone who I just, I, you know, sometimes you become very, very, very fond of the people you're interviewing and they stay with you. You know, You just kind of... You have this warmth about them after the conversation, and that is exactly how I feel about today's guest, the lovely Giovanna Fletcher. I sort of went into the conversation knowing she'd be really nice, because I'd watched her on I'm a Celebrity, which of course she won. She won Series 20 of I'm a Celebrity a couple of years ago, uh, and that's because she was lovely. You know, the, the, the whole world sort of fell in love with her because she's great. She's also a vlogger, a presenter, an author, an actor, uh, and a presenter of, of many different things, actually. There's sort of a real span of things, including The Baby Club, which is something that I watched uh, a couple of years ago with my with my middle one so I gotta say I was expecting her to be nice I didn't think she'd be just as solidly lovely and wonderful and radiantly happy and, and brilliant her outlook on life is so so charming and I, I yeah I've, I've, I've really fallen for her I think she's just a lovely person and uh, I'm excited for you to hear this because we all need a bit of good out there and, and I just get the sense from Giovanna that's exactly how she lives her life she sets out to do good and I just found it inspiring. I really liked her. And she's been absolutely delightful with text messages and so on subsequently. Since then, poor her, she had an accident on stage. And she's, uh, she's been unable to perform for a little while because she's hurt her ankle. And if you follow her on Instagram, you'll see it looks so painful. You know, it's really nasty ankle injury. And I believe she has her foot in a cast at the moment. Or one of those, you know, massive, great kind of moon boot type things that you have to put on to protect your ankle. So I really hope she has a very, very quick recovery. And she's uh, back to her dancing best in the very near future. Nonetheless... This is a really special conversation, which I hope you enjoy. And I can tell you that tomorrow we'll be bringing another cast member, the man who plays her husband in 222, A Ghost Story, which is what they're starring in at the moment on the West End, uh, Elliot Cowan, who incidentally I went to university with. And Elliot, after our uni days, went on to become this big Hollywood star straight out the blocks. He was in some massive Hollywood movies and has starred with some incredible people like Angelina Jolie, Colin Farrell and Jared Leto. And he's got some amazing stories to share. So please even if you haven't heard of Elliot you know he's a he's a brilliant brilliant actor but if the name doesn't ring a bell for you I really implore you to check out tomorrow's show with him because some of the chats and some of the stories of these icons he has an amazing story about a time he worked with Anthony Hopkins so I'd really encourage you to, to give it a listen because it's absolutely fascinating as well as the fact he's just a really cool guy I really like Elliot anyway here we go this one's really special I'm delighted to say here is Giovanna Fletcher. The Andy 
J Podcast. I'm so pleased for my next guest. She's an actress, an author, a podcast host, a blogger, a vlogger. She won I'm a Celebrity in 2020. She's currently gracing the West End stage with absolutely terrifying results, incidentally, in the incredible <laughs> 222, A Ghost Story. And that, of course, is our special feature for this show. She is, of course, the amazing, the wonderful, the queen that is Giovanna <laughs> Fletcher. How are you doing, Giovanna? <laughs> I'm good. It's funny, isn't it, how you can say terrifying results about someone on stage, but knowing that it's a play and not just my acting is terrifying. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, that, that wasn't a review. That was, that was not based on your performance, which I'm hearing only amazing things about, incidentally. And when I say hearing, oh, I mean reading. The, the People are awash with how good it is and how good you are. So, yeah. Oh, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. And, and um, you know, I... The, the characters will go on such a journey throughout the whole show and, and as a result, you know, I come home feeling like Mary Poppins. Like I've let it all out at the theatre. You know, any fear, any anger, any anything is out. So oh, I literally wow. come back home feeling quite refreshed. So you're yeah. sort of getting ghost therapy? I am, weirdly, yeah. Although Steph last night, uh, I don't know if she said, uh, she's bought a book that's all about ghosts in theatres in, yes. in London. <laughs> and uh, last night we were sat in her dressing room freaking ourselves out about different stories that have um, you know, taken place throughout the theatres in the West End. Yeah, she's, um, she's going method now. I mean, that's it's a worrying thing when you've got kind of terrifying the unexplained happening on stage and you want to get into that. I mean, whoa. I don't know. I don't know what your thought is about ghosts, but you can't prove they're not there, right? Exactly. That's the whole thing. <laughs> Although the whole play, Elliot's character Sam, is trying to prove that they don't exist. That's, that's the whole premise of the play, really. Um, and I just think there's so many things that happen that kind of make your hair stand on end or just that can't be explained. And Although it's funny, so my, I guess my thing that I guess happened to me um, years and years ago, I was uh, at my mum's house um, in a cottage, and she's got a two up, two down. She did have a two up, two down cottage in Essex, and it was built on a, an entrance to a graveyard. And um, and I was staying there one night. Mum was downstairs on the sofa, me and my sister were in her bedroom. And um, I woke up to go to the loo, so I went downstairs, came back up. So I was definitely awake, and then I just felt this. It, the room suddenly went freezing cold. And then I had this heat compression on me, like literally as if my body was on fire, everything was being crushed in. Um, and then this this weird exchange, which now time has passed. I can't remember if I vocalized it or if it was in my head. Um, but I sort of said, is that you, Nan? And there was a yes that came back, which wasn't her voice. It was oh. a weird sound. And I said, is granddad there? There was another yes. Then I asked if Sarah June was there, who's my cousin, who's that passed away over 40 years ago there was a yes back and then everything just released and um a very weird sensation and, and I know that I was awake um but was I uh, and then the next yeah. day I had this very strange headache where the back of my head the lower back the lower half of it was so tender to touch so painful um, just so bizarre, nothing I've ever experienced before. However, then when I share this story to Danny Robbins, the writer who also has you know many podcasts about poltergeists and ghosts and all sorts, I find myself completely you know dismissing it, <laughs> even as I'm telling the story. You know, obviously, yeah, probably asleep. You know, obviously, it's just this thing that your body goes through to fall asleep or whatever. Um, but very bizarre. And well, this, I think it's, it's those unknown things that freak you out a little bit. Absolutely. Leave the you, door open. This mm. was a few years ago, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. So was, I was going to say, yeah. it, it sounds a lot like a symptom from the booster jab, actually. But, you know, that's, 
that's far too recent. I mean, this is this is before I've that. I've got my booster on Monday, yeah. so let's see what happens yeah. after that. We, I I got the hot and colds. It was very strange. I was like, oh, what's happening? Oh yeah, deeply, <laughs> deeply unpleasant in the middle of the night. I'm on stage on Tuesday, so fingers crossed it all goes fine. <laughs> <laughs> what's happened to Jenny? Oh, she's had a booster. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, she's she's safe from Omicron, but not from ghosts. Yeah. She's, she's yeah, exactly. She's currently being haunted. Yeah, it could be crazy. I mean, let's let's talk about that sort of power of because of course you've you've acted in many things now but but Mm. this one in particular there's something about frightening an audience right yeah and it's it's really so I've never had this experience before and we all know when it comes to comedy you have you give the audience that license to laugh that license to vocalize their reaction which is a really gorgeous thing and we have that throughout as well because actually the play is very very funny um but once you give the audience that that license to vocalize then when there's the scary stuff as well, it is just electrifying to hear. And and so from the moment they start, they then don't stop. Um, you know, my first word is actually a swear word and it catches everyone really by surprise, you know, because it, it's a big explosive thing that happens. And from that first gasp or that first shriek that the audience do, they are then in. Um, well, it's probably because it's play. you as well, Giovanna, because, because well, you know, I, un- until we've heard you as your character <laughs> speak for a bit, yeah. you're, you're the woman from the baby club. You're not supposed to swear. I know, I know. You know? So my, one of my best mates, Emma Willis, came and apparently she turned to her husband every time I swore, which <laughs> is quite funny because we, we they don't hear that um, side of me. But um, yeah, it is. I guess that is part of it. And I, I think that is actually, if I think about it a lot, that there is definitely that thing of every time Jenny swears, there is a bit of like, oh, gosh, she's gone there. She's gone there. Um, <laughs> I like this. Know. This is this could yeah. be your rebrand. Do you remember when Daniel Radcliffe did that? Did that? I think it was Equus and he was completely nude on stage. Yeah. He was trying yes. to it's kind of shake the Harry Potter thing. He was like, no, yeah, I'm so more than that. He becomes nude and yeah. I just get potty mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't want her naked. Let's just let us say some swear words. That'll be enough. <laughs> well, to be fair, it's, the, it's a similar sort of progression, you know, from kind of yeah. lullabies and, and putting kind of soft play items in bags and things to you know to, to full-on potty mouth on the west end yeah, it's, I mean, it's similar to a wizard with his wand out you know it's <laughs> i love that i'm gonna use that <laughs> you're welcome to it yeah so, so look you and i have kind of many many similarities but not least we are parent to three young boys oh god <laughs> That's the reaction I was expecting to hear. I mean, it's just a lot, isn't it? They're all off school now. And, you know, it is just a lot. You've got to keep them outside. You've got to keep them fed. You've got to make sure they sleep. You've got to, you know, it's all that. that, I heard one person say that that having boys is almost like having a dog. In the sense that you do. Those, Those are the three basics that you need to cover. They need to sleep. They need to be active. And they need to eat. And as long as you've got those three down. You're good. But, I mean, I don't know what your three are like, but mine literally can't walk past each other without an arm be ex- being extended or a foot. <laughs> There's always some physical interaction that's going on. Um, so I do feel like a referee the majority of the time. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I mean, but the trouble is, though, right, because I don't know that many other people with three boys, especially three mm. boys, mine are all under 10, same as yours, I think. Yeah. And, yeah. and so there are very few that I know that have got three boys. And so I don't have that kind of big comparison going on. But, but when yeah. I look at what you've achieved just in the last couple, of years you know mm. I'm sort of like well hang on I thought I was doing all right but you seem to be <laughs> cram- I mean how do you do it how do you find all this time 
It is a bit bonkers, to be honest. And I think, firstly, I love what I do, so it never feels like um, a chore. And uh, the things I do probably have stemmed from hobbies. So I guess, you know, the hobbies go out the window because what I do for work is actually the things that I really, really enjoy. Mm. Um, but me and Tom always say, you know, we don't socialise, we don't sleep, <laughs> we don't, you know, there's so many things that we don't do as a, as a result of it. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a funny one. And, and I do find it weird that I guess my most productive year was after my second child was born. Um, you know, I wrote three books in that year, or, you know, well, definitely focused on three books in that year. And, and it, it is bizarre to look back and, and think of, of, of all that. Um, but at the same time, when I do have a break, when like, so in August, when I finished writing the, the um, current book, I then suddenly found myself feeling quite lost. Like, what do I do now that mm. I've not got? And there's always something around the corner, so you should probably just enjoy that moment when it comes. Um, but I do, I do love it. And the, the three thread has always been storytelling. You know, I went to drama school. That is what I love doing. And, um, and I, and I find it, you know, thrilling that I get to do that through books, through the podcast, you know, the podcast is essentially me helping other people tell their stories. Um, and now, you know, back with acting as well. So, I mean, it is, it's a juggle, it's a constant juggle. And I think me and Tom, cause we are both busy. We do sit down and we, we have those chats of, you know, what, what's got to give, what, what do we pull back on or push back on? now um and it is a constant balancing act a juggling act and i don't think we're i don't think any parent feels like they're ever getting it right and anybody actually when it comes to a work-life balance i think we're always sort of reassessing it and seeing what needs to be shifted and i think that's healthy yes and you know it's so interesting that you say that you know that the social life has gone out the window as well because i don't know if you're the same as me but i endlessly every time a new work thing comes up or, or you know there's this many hours in the day that have to be devoted to the job and so on i get the dad guilt i get the well hang on i need to make yeah. sure i've got this much time for the kids today and tomorrow and so on and so forth yeah exactly exactly and then you do come home for the bedtime and yeah. it's all manic and you're like why <laughs> why are you manic now um <laughs> But yes, that's definitely something that I'm sort of feeling. And, and over the last month where we've been in rehearsals, I've had the book tour, um, you know, different things going on. It has been really, really intense. And you do kind of go, oh, but, you know, mm. what, what about the kids? And then, you, But now I'm in a nice period where because the show's open, I'm going to be home with them all day yeah. and then going into the theatre at night. So I, I do think it's, a, you know, it swings and roundabouts and, and you do get that time. And I try as much as possible because I can, because the whole freelance life and I feel so lucky about it. Uh, as much as possible to be off during their holidays and stuff so that we can, even if we're just at home crafting or, you know, I'm chasing them around a park, that is, you know, that that is what I feel like I need to be doing during those times. And um, so as much as possible, if I can shift work, that that is always the dream, the goal. It doesn't always work out, but that's what I'm, like aiming to achieve yeah good for you crafting though i have this vision of you with three lads making wicker baskets together and i'm like i don't know if that's going to work out. no 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 we don't do that i guess usually they have to they have to stumble across me doing something to even have any interest in it if i if i lay things out and i'm like let's do this everyone's like no we're not doing it uh, so they do have to and also i always find the boys they're getting on best when they're up to something um, you know, they're always, when they're planning something that they know isn't quite good behaviour or model behaviour. Like the other day, I was moving some logs in the garden. From, we've just moved. and There was a tree that had um, obviously been taken down but just left. So I was taking some logs across to somewhere to store them. And, uh, and then they got their old um, sleigh. And they were putting logs on it and moving it somewhere else so they could build a den. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know, they're constantly doing something that's a little bit 
mischievous. But I like that as well because they are then being creative and, you know, working together, yeah. <laughs> even if the end goal isn't quite what I would choose them to be doing. I love that. I, I taught my eldest how to blow up a whoopee cushion because, of course, it's quite a complicated manoeuvre. It's not just like blowing yeah. up a balloon. And so I was no. delighted a couple of days later when I when I saw him showing the middle one how to do it. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's going to be noisy sweet. in this house, you know. <laughs> Oh, I love that though. I love I love those little moments of um, of kindness between them. Um, you know, I think in those fleeting moments, you kind of go, "Yeah, I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm doing good. It's working." You're listening to the Andy J podcast, and we really appreciate having you here with us. If you're enjoying the show, why not leave us a lovely review and perhaps five stars, and subscribe wherever you're listening, as it really does help. The Andy J podcast. I love it. Now, you, you described yourself earlier as a storyteller, which I think is absolutely yeah. delightful. You've written so many books, but across so many different things. And, and actually, you know, one in particular, the motherhood book is very, very personal. Are you, are you, have you sort of found it cathartic sharing your own life? Because it's one thing to build characters that are influenced by your life and your experience. You can still yeah. sort of dismiss that as, as imagination. But when yeah, you're talking yeah. about this is my story, this is what happened, this is what happens yeah. to a human being mentally physically and so on is is that mm. did you find it difficult well, to do or was it kind of a revelation it was a revelation i'd already written i think four fiction books by that point by the time i wrote have mom had baby it could have been five actually mm. and um and it did feel because i, I when i was in the book book tour for one and um, people kept saying would you ever do this would you ever write about being a mum and i just thought at the time it was all books that tell people how to do it this is what you should be doing um, this is the right way to parent. And I found, I read all the books before Buzz arrived and, you know, he came out, he hadn't read a single one. So he didn't know what I was trying to do. We didn't, you know, it was always felt like I had this voice in my ear telling me what I should be doing rather than just trusting my, um, you know, natural maternal instincts. Um, so I just thought if I was to write in that field, would I be, would I be adding to that chaos, that noise? Um, and I, that's something that I really didn't want to do. So I just thought, you know what, if I am going to do it, I have to write honestly and just share. And I'll be honest, the first, what is lovely about writing nonfiction, especially in nonfiction world that I do, which is all about my own experiences, you know everything. Mm. So you're not having to do endless research. You literally just, you become an open book. And so the first draft I wrote, I shared about PCOS, I shared about miscarriage, and I just thought I'm going to just write it all down because at the, in the end, I can edit it out if I feel uncomfortable, if I feel like actually I don't want that in there, I don't want people to know that, I can just take it out. And I got to the end and I thought, well, actually, that's my complete motherhood journey. And if I, if I take that loss out or that grief or that guilt or anything out like that, then that's not telling, that, that's not telling the whole picture, uh, telling the whole story. And that's also um, diminishing the whole thing and making it more into that perfect picture that is not actually achievable or attainable or realistic um so i just thought actually i'm gonna i'm gonna keep it all in which is um kind of what i've done with the two mum books that i've done and, and now with the podcast as well i think it's when we talk honestly honestly um it's so powerful and i think using that is the best tool you can give other parents because whether they are going through anything similar um or um you know just so that they can understand other parents as well i think it's it's really really powerful plus with things like maternal mental health. I, I, I didn't realise when I started writing Have Mum, Have Baby um, what the situation was with maternal mental health. And really, it's only been talked about in the last couple of years. Um, but, you know, um, it's such a, a massive 
uh, obstacle for us all to tackle. And, um, you know, sadly, uh, the leading cause of death in new mums within the first year is suicide. And that is something that we all really need to focus on. And I think the more honest conversations we have around that, um, the better. Because just hearing someone else um, talk about something that you're going through, knowing that you're not on your own, is is just such a, a massive um, boost for everyone. I found that with, with this show, the number of celebrities I've spoken to that, that share a mental health story, that yeah. then the audience come back and go, oh my gosh, you know, if if they've experienced that, then it sort of validates how I'm yeah. feeling, you know, and it's Well, it's the whole really thing with, with the podcast, it doesn't matter who you are, what you have, what you do, there are certain things that we all have to face and tackle. And, um, you know, I think, um, you know, the more we share, and that is that, it is that seeing people that you think, well, they're fine, and realising that actually, no, they're not, and it doesn't discriminate. Um, you know, I think, um, that, I think that really does help. Yes. Do you know, I had one really interesting note from somebody. Lots of, I'm sure you get all sorts of messages, but lots of the messages I've had regarding mental health of people with their own struggles. But one of them was was most revealing of all, actually. Where this, this, this listener had kind of written in to say, you know, I was thinking to myself, if these celebrities are having this and you never know because there's this veneer of success, then mm-hmm. what about my own friends? So I reached out to someone that yeah. had been a bit quiet and found that they were hiding and they shared. And it's, it was only because I'd made the connection that if these people are struggling, maybe some of my mates mm-hmm. are in trouble. I reached out, I made a difference. And I thought, wow, that's, that's yeah. great. It's so true. It's so true. And, and I think when it comes to stuff like the podcast, we have people listening who don't have children, but their friends might. Yeah. So they know, you know, to look out for certain things. And, and I think, um, yeah, I think having those conversations is so important. And, and realizing that sometimes it's okay to say I'm not okay, but also what do we do after that? What's the next step in that? How how do we reach out and get proper help and and turn things around? Um, so I think it's a conversation that's continuously evolving. You know, what is next after we say I'm not okay? Yes, um, and I think that's an important thing to to focus on. Well, let's talk about your podcast because yeah. I mean, what a way to start. How how was this for you when you're deciding you're doing the pod and you've you've kind of shared it with the relevant people and all the rest of it? How did you get told guest number one was going to be a member of the royal family, not just any member either, the Duchess of Cambridge, for goodness sake? Well, she, she wasn't guest number one. So she, so over the last, so she was on series seven. So oh, we were running okay. quite a long time by then. Right, that's but my from bad. from day one, that's okay. From day one, though, I, whenever, you know, because doing interviews and stuff, you always ask who would be your dream guest. And she was always, you know, the first person I said. And um, and it was while she was doing her campaign um, a couple of years ago um, about the five big questions because she is phenomenal with her knowledge um, and her um, devotion to early years and what she wants to happen in that area, which is more important now than ever. And um, and so she wanted to launch these uh, five big questions and her team got in touch and they wanted us to do five different episodes around the five different questions. And, um, and I thought, well, that's, I can absolutely tailor that and make it work in some way, but it's a bit far removed from what we actually do on the podcast. So I didn't know how much of engagement that would be because we were thinking about getting different experts and things on. So I'm just going to let the cat out because, you know, (laughs) important time. (laughs) And um, 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 so when I spoke to her team, um, I said, but would we be able to get the Duchess on at all? And um, they said maybe for 10 minutes, because at the time she hadn't done anything like that. And I think it felt so far removed from what she was doing. 
Um, but uh, yeah, then I met her at a, um, at a royal engagement and we spoke for five minutes. We spoke about maternal mental health, how important it was to, um, you know, help parents and, and, and things like that. And um, the next thing I know, I've been given 45 minutes with her hey. to record the podcast. Yeah. And then we were there in the room for an hour and a half. Um, and she was phenomenal. You know, and even then, though, we were meant to, originally with the brief, we were meant to have experts in the field, uh, th- like Pepper throughout. Um, and after I spoke to her, I was like, no, we don't need that. Because actually what we'd do with that is we would um, we would uh, belittle her knowledge yes. and make it seem like that, you know, it's not like validated. And actually, she speaks with such passion that um, it was... Um, it was just a joy to listen to her. And then also there was the, the lovely mix of her talking about the campaign, her talking about that uh, work that she's focused on so heavily, uh, but also her as a mum. And it was the first time that she'd done so. Uh, so it was complete honour uh, to, to, to be a part of that for her. And also I had no idea what it was going to be like or how it was going to be received. Um, but it was all a bit of a whirlwind, to be honest. I think that's lovely. Was it a bit surreal kind of having to kind of go in for a royal recording? Was it a bit kind of Absolutely. Like... <laughs> really surreal. We sat there with China, you know, like a, a cup and saucer. Now, let me tell you, I do not give a cup and saucer to any other guest. <laughs> you know, there was a teapot on the table. Like it was, a, you know, a proper little um, a mother's meeting, which was absolutely uh, incredible. Um, and we were both nervous at the top, which we both said. Um, and, uh, but it was amazing and, and I just, I absolutely loved it. And no, I, I love going back and listening to the raw footage of it, you know, before the edit. So there's everything in there. And, um, and I just, oh, what an incredible woman, just absolutely phenomenal. Um, and, and I actually get really excited about the work that her and William are going to do, um, in the future to, to help future generations. I think, um, yeah, I think we're very lucky to have them, to be honest. Yes, they strike me as being a real force for good, actually. Yes, yes, completely. Their own egos are out the window. It's all about the work and how they can help people. And you see that, actually, on royal engagements when um, when you follow them around or when you're with them. They, they really are completely in tune with whoever they're talking to. You know, they, they build on the conversation. They know that people are going to be nervous talking to them, but they properly listen. They properly then ask, like, follow up with another question that's engaged. And, um, yeah, so I feel like it's a real masterclass watching them in, in, in how to be um, with people, you know, in social situations. Well, I think you're smashing it, Giovanna, because, I mean, this this is the first time that you and I have made friends. This is our first opportunity to chat. And I, I've got to tell you, speaking honestly, I'm absolutely blown away. You're a phenomenon you really are. I mean, you mean, well, you're so good at what you do and which is multi-layered, you know, across the board, your, your kind of CV is ridiculous. You're (laughs) so kind and positive. You mean so much to so many people. You're a role model. You're a mum of three. You've got a cat. I mean, you know, it's, it's, (laughs) I'm sorry. She doesn't understand. It's radio. She's just like, wow. It was like a letter out. It's just me out the whole way through. You move logs. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's amazing, you know, (laughs) No, I, honestly, no. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm really, I know this sounds so glib, but I'm so impressed. I'm, I think you're phenomenal. I'm really impressed oh, with you. Oh, bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I it's, just, I enjoy what I do and, um, yeah, I care. So, um, you know, that's, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I just feel very lucky to be in the position uh, that I am, really, that I get to tell stories, share stories um, and help people in the process. Yes. 
Yes, and you really have helped. I mean, if you're comfortable talking about it, you, you don't have to on any level. But there's a you know there's a sort of well known historical moment which your your brother obviously he's he's talked about how you've saved his life historically. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's a lot to carry around. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, but it's like we're saying with mental health, the more we talk about things, the more we dismantle the shame that's, that's um, you know, not feeling okay or feeling all these sort of imposturing thoughts, and, you know, the imposter syndrome that lands on all of us, that tells us we're not good enough, that tells us we shouldn't be here, that tells us the world would be a better place without us in it. The more we talk about those thoughts, because they are not real, they are not based on any facts, they are just your brain taking over or something within you taking over, um, you know, the the um, more powerful we are um, to 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 combat that, and um, you know, and I'm very proud of Mario for you know speaking out about his story. And sadly, we've seen lots of other people on TV who have felt those things and haven't spoken out, or not even on TV. You know, we all hear those stories of friends and loved ones who have um, sadly decided to take their own lives. And um, and I think if all we've got to do is talk, if all we've got to do is open up. That's nothing, you know, that if, if talking saves lives, then let's just bloody talk. Giovanna, let's let's look to the future. 2022. I mean, I sort of think what is left for you to achieve because you've done so much. But, you know, your light is shining so brightly. I'm, I'm assuming that there's a million other things to do and and to keep kind of charging forward at. Yeah. And, you know, even going into the castle last year, people said to me, well, you know, what do you want to do off the back of it? And I'm a bit like, well, I've got my books. I've got my podcast. There are stuff that I love doing and that is where my passion lies. And, and I think when other opportunities come along, I, I, um, I think it is also that freelancer in me. It's that actor in me that kind of goes, well, you have to make the most of those opportunities when they come because you don't know when they're going to stop coming. Um, but also, I think for that reason, I've always had a bit of a problem with a five-year or a 10-year plan because you simply don't know what life mm-hmm. is going to throw you away. Um, so for me, I'm just, I just continue plowing on and, um, doing the work that I love and hoping that, you know, I I bring people together in the process and and make them feel good. Um, which actually I love about 222, you know, the majority of things that I do, in fact, everything that I do is about making people feel good. 222, not so much. (laughs) (laughs) It's about terrifying them. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Let them feel relieved that they're out of the theatre at the end of it. Yes, it's about about stopping the nation from sleeping. Yeah, Yeah, there we go. Everyone, when they wake, they stop people looking at their mobile phones through the time at night. There we go. They sleep better. Maybe that's that's a positive that comes out of it. That's an excellent (laughs) twist. I like that. Um, We're going to be talking to my uh, my old uni pal Elliot Cowan your on-stage oh, husband uh, yeah. in, a, in a few moments do you want to stitch him up at all do you want to tell me any um you know, oh, he, he blo- there was a time on stage the other night which he's he made me do my first court uh, like on stage um so he, he has a line where he says you've not slept a wink and he said instead instead the words you've slept came out of his mouth so he said he said he ended up saying you've slept not a wink and it sounded beautiful like (laughs) beautiful poetry but luckily I was facing the door off stage at the time so I could properly kind of go (laughs) I kind of get over it um but no he's absolutely amazing and I I just um yeah I adore being on stage with him He's, he's so much fun um and brilliant you know I feel like he is uh the glue that holds us all together to be honest Oh, what uh, a lovely I feel very to lucky. Say. He's a proper thespian, yeah. isn't he? He's kind of like a giant really, of a man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he is. And, you know, um, 
we do all of our warm-ups together, our vocal warm-ups and stuff before the show. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's keeping us all on track, I think. <laughs> I love that. It's yeah. Good. yeah. Yeah, no, he's, he's extremely good. But that's not really stitching him up, though, Giovanna. I was hoping you were going to say not, something I'm like, sorry. you know, he blocked the toilet or he smelt of curry oh, no, or something, not, but no. no. He's not done any of that. Oh, wow. Oh. There's a few more weeks left. I'm sure that that... There we go. <laughs> it's all possible. Have you got, you've probably got more stories on him than I do, though. Well, yeah, but the trouble is... <laughs> those are <laughs> Those are not... Maybe, maybe if we weren't recording, <laughs> it would be all right. <laughs> there are a couple of stories that spring to mind, but they've probably... <laughs> <laughs> probably not fair for me to do that while I'm recording. <laughs> oh, bless you. <laughs> but next time, next time. Yeah. Uh, Giovanna, what a lovely conversation. You're such good company. And I, I can't wait to come and see the show. I'm coming at the very Yay! start of January. So I'm really looking Amazing. forward to it. Really looking Perfect. forward well, to it. Well, let us know when you're coming. I'm sure you'll let Elliot know, but let, let me know when, when you're coming as well. And then, you know, we can go out for dinner or something, depending on the state of the world. Let's yes. see what happens. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But no, that would be incredible. I'd love that. Giovanna, what, what right. a pleasure. Thank you so much for your company. Thank you. It's been Thank really you. special. You can go and do your hair again now if you like. <laughs> Gotta go sort the cat out now. She's just me out and get me out the door. <laughs> oh, bless your heart. Brilliant. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. The Andy J Podcast. Wasn't she just wonderful? Oh, I really love Giovanna, such a special lady, and I, I feel so honoured to have had that conversation. What a wonderful woman, and it just makes me feel happy re-listening to that. So I hope you've enjoyed it. Go forth, have a lovely, lovely day. I hope you'll join us again tomorrow for a brilliant and fascinating conversation about life inside Hollywood with Hollywood legends from the wonderful Elliot Cowan. That's tomorrow's show. For now, walk tall, go well, and be kind. See you on the flip side. Andy J Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.